Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Now, look back at the first day's play in the second LV insurance test match between England and New Zealand. And this podcast is now being supported by LV Insurance, who, of course, are sponsors of both test match and county championship cricket. And England, 258 for seven at the end of the first day at Edgebaston. I think that's almost sort of honours even in a way. Do you feel that? Although England won the toss and uh, they were unbeaten at lunch, no wickets down. Wickets fell in the second session, but then they came back quite strongly at the end. So even Stevens? I don't know. Strange sort of day, really. England on top at the start. It felt like New Zealand's day. Up until sort of about the last hour, hour and a half, you thought that New Zealand making good progress here. They're, they're chipping away. Good first day pitch or decent first day pitch, but quite good first day bowling conditions. The lights were on, overcast for a large part of the day. The sun finally came out at five o'clock. I suppose the answer will, will lie in tomorrow's weather. I mean, we know the weather's dry. But what sort of conditions are England going to get to bowl in tomorrow? Uh, on my weather app, it says it's going to be overcast tomorrow, sort of warm but overcast. So if you get to bowl in overcast conditions, I mean, generally you feel those those are sort of good bowling conditions and England have got the four pace bowlers. So um, it, it, it is one of those, I suppose, um, wait till both sides have, have batted and, yeah. and have a look. Um, it, you know, it's, it's actually a really good question. You know, who, whose day was it and who's ahead in the match? What, do, what does your who's winning graphic say at the end of the first day's play? Let, let's have a look. It says that basically England are on top um, with around about a 60% chance of winning. And that hasn't changed much actually through the day. A little bit down to about... 55 maybe when they lost those three quick wickets around the 70 mark 
uh, but then back up uh, through that, that partnership with Dan Lawrence and Mark Wood at the end of the day, back up to around about 60%. New Zealand, they their, their hopes rose a bit with those three quick wickets in early afternoon, but they're now down at 22% and the draw roughly 18%. So it's 60% wow. England, 22% New Zealand, 18% the draw. Well, I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm a bit surprised at that and I'm a bit surprised that earlier in the day when England lost those wickets that they weren't a bit lower and New Zealand uh, were a bit higher because to, to me it felt as though they were on top. I suppose if you look at the makeup of New Zealand's side, you might say, you know, no Kane Williamson. You know, that, that is something, although he didn't feature particularly uh, on, the, on the scorecard at Laws, did he? He struggled, he failed in, in both innings, but obviously he's a big player for them. And that, you know, they've made all those changes and they will be batting last, presumably. Well, unless they get, you know, 500 and, you know, bowling England out. So, you know, you can see the factors in, in favour of, of England and, and with those, you know, four quality bowlers as well and Anderson Broadwood and Stone and Stone uh, playing on his home ground. Um, I have to say, I, I don't see the game quite as firmly in England's favour as that, but I can't... I think it's runs on the board. Yeah, well, there's sort of, that. But only, on the board. only 250 of them, though. Yeah, no, well, nearly 260 and they, they should get up to 300. And if you mm. look at the history of edge yeah. and test matches, and I mean, I think of, say, the 2005, the great test match against Australia in 2005 there, you know, all the scores were round about the 280 to 300. Australia needed 280 to win in the final innings. And, hold on, hold on a second, hold a on a second, Yoz. Hold on a second, Yoz. England made 400 on the first day. That's true, that's true. Yeah. But after, after that, that yeah. scores were much lower. Yeah, they came down. Yeah, no, no, good point, good memory. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, England made 400 in a day, that's right. didn't they? And that was a really flat pitch. Mm. And after that, and I think generally... Uh, scores at Edgebaston have been, you know, round about 250 to 300. It's a pitch that just nibbles, doesn't it? And also, I think the new stand helps the ball to swing a little bit, especially when the clouds are up and also the lights are on, which they were for most of the day. So I think it is quite a, a bowler-friendly pitch, but batsmen can get on top. It's a good cricket pitch, isn't it? Mm. It's a good contest between bat and ball. You get you know, phases of play where the batsmen dominate and then bowlers strike back and get a few wickets and the new ball can have an impact. And quite often you get lower order runs with um, the the ball getting soft as well. Of course, you get lots of value for, for shots because it's a fast outfield. And it's just a, it's just a great venue, isn't it, to play cricket with a, with a brilliant atmosphere as well. Well, yeah, I mean, what was great about today was the fact that there were supporters, you know, in, in good number, back in the ground. I think I got a bit fed up towards the end of the day's play by hearing that song, I Don't Want to... I think they adapted it, I Don't Want to Go to Work, didn't they, uh, today, from <laughs> I Don't Want to Go Home. I remember the the Wales football supporters singing that you know, during the Euros, whatever it was, four or five years ago, when they, I Don't Want to Go Home, which they wanted to go on in the tournament. I heard that many, many times sung by the Wales fans. But I, I heard it... Probably about four or five times too many today by the end. It's, it's definitely a venue to go with earplugs, isn't it? Well, and prior, a, a, certainly a special prize for the person today who went as Boris Johnson, armed with um, an injection, a needle, and he was chasing around after someone dressed as a, as a, a coronavirus. Mm. So there's there's plenty of imagination yeah. in the in the Eric Hollis stand at Edgebaston. Great effort for England uh, to start the day with an unbroken first wicket stand uh, in the first session. So definitely have to say, wouldn't you? First session to England? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I'm mean, unspectacular. So in a straight, I mean, nothing surprising in a way, although I haven't said that. I mean, generally speaking, England haven't 
put together good opening stands at uh, home mm. in the last few years. But I mean, what I'm saying is no, nothing surprising in the batting of Sibley and Burns. They batted like Sibley and Burns. Although, you know, as as the day went on, as the afternoon went on, I thought Burns became a little bit more expansive and actually played a, quite a few more offside strokes today. And ultimately, that was his downfall, wasn't it? Chasing a, a ball that, you know, probably that he might not have played at Lords early on in the mm. first part of his innings at Lords. Wasn't it interesting that in this innings, I mean, they didn't kind of get off to a flyer, but they were purposeful. They were busy at the crease. They pushed singles. And it was in such contrast to the attempts to just nullify New Zealand at the last day of that, the Lord's Test match. And, 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 and you know, they got on top of the bowlers a little bit. I mean, without getting up to 100 in the first session, they got to mm. close to 70 and with no wickets down. I mean, that constitutes an excellent start. Yeah, I was going to say, what what's a good first session in a Test match for a batting yeah, side I mean, to win I think the toss? No wickets down. Yeah. No wickets down. Yeah. If you win the toss, no wickets what, down what, at lunch. What, I mean, not twenty for. No I was going to say, what if you're forty for no wicket at lunch or forty-five? Yeah, I mean, that's you've gone uh, nowhere, have you? But you haven't gone anywhere. No, I, I think 70, 60, 70 for naught is is fine. A hundred for naught is excellent. Mm. So yeah, I, I think you give them eight out of ten for for seeing off the new ball. That's their main job. But you know, try and get some runs as well. So. So that was a really good start. Interesting, after lunch, the ball just started to swing. I, I enjoyed watching the New Zealanders bowl. You know, and what they're doing very simply is, you know, the ball's a little bit older, uh, but they managed to get to one side really nicely polished. They worked so hard on the ball. And um, they got the, 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 both Matt Henry and also Trent Bolt basically bowl the, the, the orthodox swinger. And then they just tilt the seam slightly and bowl the same with the same action, and it doesn't swing. It just angles in. Uh, basically, that's a, a very simple adjustment that, that modern bowlers make. Sort of, it's, it's almost like a scrambled seam delivery instead of the seam up, but it works very effectively. It's interesting. I mean, I do really highly rate this New Zealand bowling attack, and actually I was talking to Simon Doole about the evolution of New Zealand bowlers, and of course they're famous for in the past, having these dribblies. If you go to club cricket in New Zealand, they all bowl at sort of 70 miles an hour with the keeper stood up and the ball nips around off horrible cabbage patch pitches. That used to be the case, but they've really improved their pitches over the last 20 years or so. Uh, An an intervention from John Bracewell, actually, who, of course, played down at Gloucester, was coach at at Gloucester for many years, uh, the former New Zealand off-spinner who then became the head coach of New Zealand. And he just said, we've got to get better pitches. We've got to encourage aggressive fast bowlers and proper batting. And as a result of their better pitches in the last 20 years, they've now produced these really uh, potent fast bowlers, Trent Bolt, uh, Matt Henry, Tim Southey, uh, and Carl Jameson, and, and many others. Um, and they've, they're, they're really strong, deep bowling attack. Neil Wagner, I didn't mention. You know, those sort of bowlers probably wouldn't have come through for, for New Zealand 20 years ago because they're club and provincial pitches were so rubbish that it wasn't worth trying to bowl quick. I tried and it was a complete waste of time. So, uh, you know, New Zealand cricket has really evolved its uh, its standard of, of facilities and pitches in particular and that's paid dividends for, for their bowling attack who took three quick wickets straight after lunch. One thing they were able to do today, uh, New Zealand, at the, at the start of the game, was, was make lots of changes as well. That sort of shows their, their strength yeah. and depth. And you, you look down that New Zealand side, it doesn't feel... Well, obviously, it's a bit weaker for not having Williamson in. It's not got Southie in. But, you know, they were able to bring in Bolt uh, today and Henry. You know, and and, and mm. a, a spinner that 
was able to take a couple of wickets as well. I mean, that's the other interesting thing. It was it was the ticklish thing at Lords as well. Um, we, we missed out on that third day, and you know we saw Root bowling on, and we saw Santa bowling on that pitch. I, I, I've said this before that I thought a good spinner at the back end of that match might cause some problems, and I wonder whether a decent spinner might cause some problems at the back end of this match as well. Uh, the, the, mm. Patel did get a one or two to turn today, and you think you know it's going to be dry, isn't it, for the next three or four days if, if I, I don't know whether we're going to get to the fifth day I don't know we'll, we'll see how the seam bowlers get on tomorrow um, but you know if we do have a fifth day then the, the you know, spin could come into it but England they didn't they they're, they're wedded aren't they to, to, to four quick bowlers and you, you can understand why in English conditions I can totally understand that and they you know they haven't they've not got that balance because of no Stokes or Wokes or whatever you know any all-rounders so you know poor old Jack Leach he went out for some batting practice uh, today uh, rather than you know the prospect of of bowling at Edgbaston, which you know, which, which which could offer, because England winning the toss as well, you know, you think, oh, we'd love to, you know, I'd love to bowl on the in the fourth innings of the match, but so anyway, so New Zealand were able to make changes. England didn't make, uh, you know, barely made a change at all. It's funny actually. We all a lot of people thought Overton was going to play, but if you think about it, logically, sort of last sort of last one out, first one back in, Stone did play in the winter and he, he bowled well in his one test match in India. Mm. So yeah. why, why should Overton sort of, you know, leapfrog him and, and, and come back in? Um, and Stone's home ground as well. The other thing as well, it, it does sort of, it did sort of help them avoid the embarrassment of, if there was any, I don't know if there was, but, you know, with Robinson going out and then, of course, that incident involving Craig Overton back in 2015 uh, when, he, you know, when mm. he was involved in that match and there was that, comedy made on the field um you know that he's he said he don't he doesn't remember making but anyway he he was charged under um the ecb code although it wasn't under you know r racially offensive language it was under uh, you know um sort of under sort of sledging uh, abusing yeah. abusing a batsman rather than uh, racially abusing although you know some people who heard it thought it, you know it, it it was over the line and should have been dealt with in a different way so no Overton day stone in so you, you you England not really tinkering but New Zealand tinkering a lot with their their side and giving almost giving everyone a chance before the World Test Championship final yeah which is good good strategy what about England's batting? Uh, how much blame was attached to some of the dismissals? I thought uh, Sibley got a good ball. Actually, he was a little bit tentative, sort of poked at it, but it was a good ball from Matt Henry straight after lunch. I thought Joe Root actually also got a good ball as well. He was a little, a little bit slightly half a bat rather than full face, but again, it just, just left him slightly. He had to play it, I think. Uh, the one or the couple of dismissals that were, were very much the batsman was cul culpable was... Zach Crawley, I mean, who just looked very tentative and he was done by a late swinger from Bolt, which he left and nearly bowled him. And then, of course, he was induced to then play at the next one, which stayed out there. And he just got a horrible edge, a ball he shouldn't have played at. Totally unconvincing shot. Uh, I suppose a product of re recent dismissals. And he's now averaging 10 in about the last 12 innings, which is kind of really sad, isn't it? Yeah, you, you say Bolt there, it's actually Wagner. So that you yeah, talk about, Wagner, the, le talk right, about left the left armour. Arm, arm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think that if you look at the shot he got out to uh, in isolation, you say, why, why on earth did that happen? But actually, what you've got to do is you've got to look back at three other balls that, he, that he's been bowled recently, yeah. the two dismissals at Lords and the ball before that got him out. It's funny, isn't it? Sometimes you look at the, if you just look at the, the wickets highlights, you get a false picture. So you've got, basically, you've got a player who is just a bit all at sea at the moment and, and lacking confidence. And I, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you, actually, Oz, as a, as a former 
uh, you know, professional player. What does, and it goes for bowling as well, bowlers get out of form. What does being out of form feel like? It, it, does it, uh, and how do you get it back again? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's a really good question. Uh, I think that uh, from, certainly from a batsman's point of view, the, the ones I've seen, they, they become, they just think about everything too much. So instead of just letting it happen, going out there, I mean, Ian Bell was on our virtual cricket club once, wasn't he? And, and he talked about the, the, when he made those 300s in an Ashes series, he just felt everything flowed. He didn't really think about it. It just, things hit the middle of the bat, feet got into the right position. Uh, you know, if head was perfectly over the line. When you're out of form, you're worried about your back lift, you're worried about your grip, you're thinking about uh, how your feet are moving, you fiddle around with your trigger movements, you're trying to get at the ball. So often you find batsmen out of form are trying to push at the ball like this rather than wait for it and, and play it with slightly softer hands. And there's a sort of slight panic that gets into their their whole kind of biorhythms that tries to push at the ball and, 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 and uh, you know, everything happens in a sort of slightly frenetic sort of way or a very timid sort of way as well, yeah. like uh, Crawley today. And with bowlers, it's a bit the same. You, you're nervous running in, you don't run in with purpose, then you might run in a bit too fast. I remember once you know, trying too hard against my old team, Middlesex, and bowling an absolute load of, load of garbage. And then I thought, right, slow down. Just relax, allow your rhythms to, to, to control you and flow. And that's then a, a much more effective way of playing. And it, undoubtedly with batting, it has to flow. If you've got too much in your head mm. about things that have gone wrong, trigger movements, footwork, the bowler, you know, the pitch, if you're thinking too much, you're going to be, your mind is going to be clouded. If you're thinking nothing, if you can try and have a clear head, and that's the, the evidence I've got from talking to many batsmen, uh, you're going to be in a much better state. I mean, James Bracey, God knows what was, was in his head. I mean, he must have been lying awake for, for days, sort of desperate to get out there and, and play his second test innings, having got a duck at Lords. And, you know, it did all just went horribly wrong. He poked at one that he didn't need to play at, first ball. I mean, he'll look back at that. It's, it's a horror show. Yeah, um, he had to sort of drag himself from the crease. So, I mean, he'll probably get another go in the second innings. But that might be yeah. it. That might be it for a while, won't it? So you know, he, he knows he's got one innings to you know show the cricketing world uh, what he's about. Um, you know, there's a chance, reasonable chance. Who knows how the future pans out? You never know, do you? That he'll get another go somewhere uh, down the line. Uh, you know, way to runs in county cricket. But you, you know, you, he's go, he's going to come out of the side, isn't he? Sometime to allow Josh Butler to come back in. As well as sponsoring the Tests and County Championship, LV General Insurance are also jointly funding a £1 million initiative with the ECB. Entitled Hashtag Funds for Runs, the investment supports focus areas of grassroots cricket. Clubs across the country can apply for grants now at ecb.co.uk slash funds for runs. Therefore, this summer, we're going to be doing things slightly differently during this mid-roll promotion for our partner by using the time to talk about a different Funds for Runs project each podcast. The hashtag Funds for Runs Community Fund was launched in November 2020 and is available to financially support areas of the recreational game that have been impacted by COVID-19. 
Most notably, this includes areas where access to cricket is more limited, such as among children from deprived backgrounds, diverse communities, women's and girls' sections and disability groups. We'll kick things off in the next podcast by talking about Stoke Newington Cricket Club's Women and Girls Outreach Programme in East London. I'm really looking forward to this. It's brilliant that sponsors don't neglect cricket's grassroots. Because after all, most of the England team got into the game through club cricket and the many thousands of volunteers who keep it going. So go to ecb.co.uk slash funds for runs for more information. You know, I used to be a coffee addict. Couldn't function without two double strength lattes in the morning and another to follow, especially if I was going to the gym or on a cycle. It played havoc with my nervous system. Since I've discovered Mission Teas, that's all changed. I feel energised, but not hyperactive. Mission was founded by Tom Whittle on a nine-month ride through South America. His experience was transformed by the amazing properties of Argentinian teas based around the herbs yerba mate and matcha, renowned for their slow release of energy, and rooibos, famous for its anti-inflammatory effects. Mission now produce a range of herbal teas specially designed for hydration, energy boosts, relaxation and even sleep. Numerous GB sports stars swear by them, including a number of the England cricket team and some famous footballers too. Mission teas are not only genuinely beneficial, but they're actually delicious and don't leave you with stale coffee breath or constantly needing the toilet. Honestly, I feel totally upbeat, whether in the gym, coaching the kids or recording this podcast, and I'm sleeping better as well. I highly recommend you try some. Mission are offering listeners of this podcast 20% off your first order if you go to missionuk.com and type in the code CRICKETER20, all one word, at checkout. So that's missionuk.com, use the code CRICKETER20 and enjoy. Now the star of the day undoubtedly for England and he's the winner of the LV Insurance hashtag in with heart award so we're giving an award each day for a player who gets really stuck in and and shows a lot of grit and determination the hashtag in with heart award and that undoubtedly is dan lawrence uh, mm. I, I of course you, you've got to give some credit to, to rory burns who made a, a very good 81 at the top of the order but dan lawrence really rescued the situation very effectively uh, i i love the way he played i mean he's not a, a purist by any means. He's got a, a quite a, in some ways, quite an ugly method, but but he's effective. And I, I like the way he played, having got out to a horrible shot at Lords, he, he wasn't afraid. And th- this is a good example of, of, of not being constrained by lack yeah. of runs, by still backing yourself. And he did. And, you know, he got a couple of sort of lucky fours early on, balls that he tried to leave that cannoned off the the blade, even those he middled, actually, uh, and they went for four. But uh, as time went on, he played some really, really good shots. And I like the way that he stepped right across to Bolt, uh, outside off stump, and, and worked him through the leg side off the stumps. In actual fact, there were essences of Steve Smith about the way he played, you know, where he got right outside the off stump and worked balls off the stump through the leg side, playing to his own strengths, and then forcing the bowlers in the end to go even wider... And then he drilled them through the offside. So, you know, it was a really positive, purposeful and, and, and skillful innings, I thought. Yeah, and the, the point we were making about Zach Crawley, you know, when you're all sort of scrambled and you're, you're struggling and, you know, he, he came out and was out for early on today as he was at, at Lords. The same could have been true for, 
for Dan Lawrence as well because he he you know he's he's another one who might be jettisoned uh, with, with Ben Stokes to come back. So this was this was his opportunity, and he didn't play a very good shot. He really didn't in the last Test match, and so you know a really admirable effort. And I suppose you know it's going to be your day when you try to leave one and it takes the bat and goes down to third for four. <laughs> yeah. You know you sort of think well perhaps it, perhaps it might be my day, but he did play t- he did play a couple of lovely offside. Shots and and that movement across as well, flick, you know, pulling, flicking the ball into the into the leg side. He's, he's unorthodox. Isn't it? I mean, one of the yeah. sort of feelings I had today while I was watching is, you know, are they starting to make English uh, men's batters in a, in sort of Frankenstein's lab? You know, it's it, <laughs> they're they're not all they're not all things of beauty, are they? By any means, they're sort of like sort of hybrid and hotchpotches. And uh, you know, they're, they're, where where are the cla- where are the classical players gone? Uh, you know, the cla- the classic players. Uh, Joe, Joe Root is one, I suppose, and you know, he's quite old school, isn't he? Really? Well, I suppose he, I suppose he is, but you know, he's a, a connection with the past, and he grew yeah. up watching Michael Vaughan. Yeah. You know, Michael Vaughan was a very uh, classic sort of player, wasn't he? And mm. comes from the same club as as, as Rooty, and th- th- but you know, the ne- the new generation, the modern generation, all mm. do it. If you look at the sort of the the, the, uh, the younger players in that England side, uh, Dominic Sibley. Rory Burns, to a lesser extent, Ollie Pope, undoubtedly Dan Lawrence. They are all quite um, crab-like in a way and, and very individual, very idiosyncratic. I suppose mm. Zach Crawley would be more of your classic player. He's, he's got a, a more upright sort of style. Uh, so, you know, you still get, get some, but each to their own. And I think Smith has had a massive influence and he will have an even bigger influence with... Kids growing up, in, especially in Australia, watching the way he plays. Look at Marlis Labuschagne. He's a complete yeah. kind of carbon copy, isn't he? So it's good to see, I think. I think it's mm. interesting watching the way the game evolves and players find ways to make runs. And well done to Dan Lawrence. You know what he has got? One thing really stands out is the very fast hands mm. because he gets into positions where he's almost leaving his stumps exposed. But then the speed of his hands gets the ball away to, to the to the boundary or, or through the field. So uh, that's an invaluable asset. One thing that I, I noticed today, just uh, sort of trawling through Twitter, is a, a, a tweet from um, from Crickwiz who, who said that actually Lawrence played the ball later than any other England batsman today, which which I thought was interesting. Um, so if you, if you can do that, was it, what do they, they say? See it early? Play it late, and also you know Graham Gooch. Just going back to that thing about techniques, Graham Gooch said, "I don't. I, what does he say? I don't coach uh, batting. I coach run scoring. So ultimately, you know, it is about how many, isn't yeah. it? How many? How many are able to score? I suppose the worry the worry is is about how by how much your technique will be exposed by top class bowlers. And in, you know, well, New Zealand, are, you know, they've got some very good bowlers." India have got some excellent bowlers, and Australia have got some excellent bowlers in their conditions as well. So there, you know, there's going to be a lot of testing on the way in the in the next few months, and it's about yeah. how you stand up to that and come through, and whether that technique that looks a bit odd uh, can, can come through. It, it may be that it, it does. It may be that it just gets exposed, and uh, you know, England have lots of pr- problems in their batting lineup. And then, you know, there were some problems today, weren't there? There were some poor shots, really. I'm actually, I'm surprised. You said. Sibley got a good ball, and it was yeah, it was a goodish ball. I'm surprised he got out to it, Sibley, because he's he's normally pretty good at letting that sort of ball go, and that's one of, you know it's one of his it's one of his strengths. You feel um, perhaps yeah. it was just a bit too perhaps it was just a fraction close, and he just yeah. was drawn into it. Perhaps it, that was what it was, but um, he normally in that channel 
he lets so much go and of course he wants the bowler to come over to him and then he he works it through the leg side uh, for his runs so sort of not, not neither not quite one thing or the other today from from Sibley 35 mm. e- excellent from from Burns looked really fluent I thought you know, that that actually shows you know when you're confident it shows what you can mm. do I thought he played really nicely but then perhaps that fraction bit of overconfidence got him out because he his his dismissal was not that dissimilar in a way to Brace's. But of course, you know, we look at Brace and think, oh no, Burns, you sort of let you, you give him a pass because he made 81. But if you put the two together, well, they will put the two together because they were in successive balls. Neither, neither looked particularly good shots. No, they didn't. And, and, and well done to England in the end for, for getting up to the, the close, nearly 260 for seven, both Ollie Stone and Mark Wood making uh, valuable contributions. Mm. Woody still there at the wicket. Uh, he was talking to me earlier in in the summer about his desperation to make more uh, of his batting and to, to make more runs. And actually, in fact, he used to be a, a, a batsman for his uh, his club, Ashington. And uh, he's desperate. I, I think that would be invaluable little uh, asset for, for Wood if he could just get mm. you know, a few more 20s, 25s, with Anderson and Broad really not registering too many runs it would be great if, if Wood could be someone at number nine who could just get those key runs when when England really need them so yeah honours even but England certainly on top uh, in terms of getting the runs on the board I suppose and it'll all depend now on whether they can get past 300 and whether uh, New Zealand can see off the new ball themselves and, and make a, a fist of this pitch I think there's there's plenty of wickets out there but there's also plenty of runs so the game is is nicely poised. Let's uh, let's leave it let's leave it there, and we'll join you at this time tomorrow for our look back at the second day's play in this LV Insurance second Test match from Edgbaston. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.